What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? What's in your diary? So hi everybody. Hey all my listeners out there. Welcome back to another episode of the It's Not Your Diary podcast. This is your host Ty and I'm here with our special guest Monica all the way from California. How are you today? I am doing good. Doing real good. good. Oh that's good. And so we're going to go ahead and start off with our first segment just to kick it right off. We're going to hop right in um how so this is actually a new segment for all our old listeners so this segment is actually called recharge and it basically allows our guests and myself to kind of reflect on our life and where we are right now and what has life taught you recently that is our question for today yes so that's the question you want me to answer right Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so um, what has life taught me recently? I would say that um, it's a statement that we all say so often, but it really loses its meaning over time. Mm-hmm. But it has so much power and so much truth in it. It's that life is short. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow, like life should definitely be enjoyed every single day in spite of our circumstances and so mm-hmm. recently I've really been my eyes have have been really opened to how valuable life is and how we truly have the power like every day to just start fresh yeah. and not to let you know things really like bother us to the point where it's like oh I'm just gonna sit in this mood all day but like man I could just really live life today so that's really what it's been teaching me recently especially with the whole quarantine and being at home and mm-hmm. you know um you know I think everybody thought 2020 was gonna be the year that they're gonna just you know get all this stuff and yeah. I'm gonna go into this season of my life but it really 2020 instead of like receiving things I think it helped it open up our perspective to really appreciate what we already had mm-hmm. in 2019 versus trying to seek something new we can definitely uh, place our replace our perspective on what we already have and really appreciate that yes I love that answer because I feel like honestly I'm in the same place where like you can get so caught up in just like being sad and being down and you know just letting one thing ruin your whole day instead of just being like let me just cry pray and move on yeah. still enjoy yeah. still have a good day yes so yeah I love that so uh, our topic for today everybody is actually surviving a drug addicted parent and just how to get through learning forgiveness and Monica is actually the perfect guest so I'm going to go ahead and let you share a little bit about your journey um, your parents and just a little bit more about you and your life yes so pretty much um um i it was just me and my mother growing up um i wasn't raised with my father um pretty much raised here in california modesto california um so growing up uh my parents um, growing up i can't remember the actual time that um i started to realize that you know okay i have you know a parent who is an addict um but I can definitely remember it, it was somewhere in elementary where I started to recognize like, oh, I have a, my parents are a little different from everybody else's parent, mm-hmm. you know, 
And so just growing up, um, I would say my mom, she, um, she was a CNA. So mm-hmm. I think since uh, that there was that consistency in life where there was employment, I personally don't believe at that time that she was using mm-hmm. um, until probably around fourth, fifth, sixth grade. I think that's when I really, my eyes were open. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so growing up with a parent who um, is an addict by yourself, you have a whole bunch of, I have a whole bunch of siblings, but I'm by myself. Um, it can be definitely lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh I know as a child, you are in denial because you don't want to believe that your parent is an addict. But when you start to see things around the house um, that are drug related, um, you eventually just give in to the understanding that I have a parent who is an addict. Mm-hmm. Um, and so growing up was definitely as a child, I was one of those people who um, stressed and worried about, did my mom pay the rent? Did my mom pay the bills? Are we going to be put out? Is my mom okay? Is she... People who are, you know, that I feel comfortable with her being around. Um, I would say definitely growing up, that parent-child relationship has reversed. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm her parent and that's my daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so um, I know that's not healthy and I know that that's normal. But, you know, growing up uh, with a parent who is an addict, um, it wasn't that, you know, she couldn't take care of herself. It was just that um, I worried more about her than I'm sure she worried about me because um, I, I I always looked out for her. Um, so, you know, you would find things as a child. You find things like, you know, crack pipes around the house. I would take them without telling her, throw them away or I'll crush them, throw them away. Um, drugs, you know, just throw it away outside or whatever. And growing up with a parent who's an addict, you know, there's a lot of frequency in and out of jail, in and out of prison. Um, And homelessness, I would say, pretty much was our biggest one out of all of them because we could never stay in a house for more than like a year, year and a half. Um, So instability was my normal. I knew what it felt like to jump from house to house to house to house because, um, you know, doing drugs, it's hard for you to keep a job. It's hard for you to pay the bills on time and to budget, um, especially if you don't have, you know, income, good income coming in to support you and your family. And so those were my norms. Mm, okay. Okay. And then, so I just, for our listeners, how do you feel like it affected your relationship just growing up? How do you feel like throwing it away and getting rid of it? Like, how did that affect, you know, you as, like, she found out, or did she ever find out? Um, there out because there will be times where I would walk in um, mm. and catch her maybe in the act, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't even think that affected um, our relationship, surprisingly. You would think that it okay. would, but um, it, it's just one of those things where you don't talk about it. You don't mm. address it. Um there's no communication as far as like doing drugs. It's just kind of like that unspoken communication. Like I know that you use, you know that I know that you use. Um, but it was like a kind of situation where it is what it is. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even say surprisingly that it put a hindrance in our relationship because mm-hmm. it was like, it just made me as a child feel like I need to protect her even more. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Okay. And then, so what do you feel like is the biggest lesson you learned from everything that you went through as a kid? Oh my gosh. I would say the biggest lessons don't do drugs. No, No, but um, 
I, I, I would say, honestly, the biggest lesson that I learned in my whole, like, childhood life mm-hmm. was that you do not have to become a product of your environment. Um, mm-hmm. Although I was in an environment where I, sh- I should have followed after her footsteps because she was my only role model. Mm-hmm. She was the only female in my life. Um, and so I should have followed after her steps as far as being a drug addict, being in and out of jail, um, stealing, you know, mm-hmm. always, you know, having a hustle, always having to scam something, um, scam somebody mm-hmm. just to make it a life. Um, my biggest lesson was like, I don't have to live like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what or how I had that perception at a very young age, but you know, I didn't directly experience the things that she experienced, but I indirectly experienced the things that she has experienced. And through that experience, I always knew at a very young age, like, I'm just going to do everything opposite. Like, it was easy. It was like, oh, just do everything opposite that your mom is doing and life will be great. Life will be easy, you know? And so that was always my perspective. That was always my thought process. And um, I, I definitely have to say, like, that was the biggest lesson, like, you don't have to, you don't have to follow after her footsteps. You don't have to, you know, go down that same path. Like you literally have the power to choose your own path. And so I, I'm glad that I had that perception, that perception, that thought process at a very young age. No one told, told me that to me, it was just common sense, you know, like just do opposite and you'll be fine, you know? And so I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned even today in life. It's like, you know, um, I just try to encourage other people like, hey, you don't have to be with your mom. You don't have to be with your dad is or what they're telling you that you are like you. You don't have control over how your life starts, Mm -hmm. but you definitely have control how your life um, uh, continues to be Mm -hmm. and how it ends. And that is that's the beauty in it. Yeah, that's so powerful because I feel like we always hear the statistics like, you know, you are going to be exactly yeah. what your parents were. Like, even if your parents are doctors, those kids normally grow up to want to be like their parents. But like, yeah. having that option, like knowing like, okay, I don't have to do that. Like, yeah, you know, because that might not be God's plan for your life. Specifically. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. Absolutely. You that. Mm-hmm. And then, so what would you say? Uh, at at what point or was there ever a point in your life where you just had no idea what you were doing? Absolutely. I know you said you you felt alone. Yeah, definitely alone because I didn't have nobody. I, you know, so I really tried to stick close to my friends. I would definitely say high school was a point in my life where I just, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was going to be. Um, although I didn't know, I still knew deep down that like, I'm going to do something, I'm going to be something, but what that something was, I just didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely felt a little lost, you know, I definitely, um, although throughout the, all the homelessness and and out of jail, school was my safe haven and that's Mm -hmm. where I thrived at. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that kind of gave me a sense of purpose. Um, but for the most part, I would say, even with having a kid in high school, I already, I never, it never crossed my mind one bit that I wasn't going to graduate. Um, it just never crossed my mind. And I, why didn't it? I have no idea, but I was like, okay, I had a kid. I'm, I'm still going to graduate. What does that, mm-hmm. you know, that mean that I'm not going to, you know, but um, there was a time where I, 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 I was thinking like, okay, after high school is over, you know, all of my friends go off to college or they, you know, they stay here in town. 
but it's like, what's my next level in life? You know, because when you're in school, you already know, okay, I'm going to go from ninth grade to 10th grade. You already know your future. You already know, like, you're just going to continue to elevate. But after high school, it's like, now what's next? You know, now that I'm an adult, I'm 18 years old. That's like, you know, I need to know what it feels like to just be adult. I need to know what it's like to now transition into independence, you know? And so mm-hmm. I know I wanted to go to, to the, you know, a couple of different colleges, mm-hmm. apply to them. One of them I got on the wait list and student ended up working out. So, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, well, my next step is just, I guess, to find a job, you know? And so I kind of started just going to that direction. But even with having a job, it's still like, where is this job going to eventually lead me to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then walk us through in a day in your life where you felt like you could have given up and then what helped you not give up in that process? Oh man, I think there was more, like, there's like a, there was the pattern where I I could have given up, but I didn't. I would say every time we were evicted, that like, that's like a soul crushing as a child. You're like, and evicted means like, you know, and now when I say evicted, I mean, when we, you know, were renting out a house for a certain amount of time and mm-hmm. we got put out by the landlords mm-hmm. or we were staying with my mom's friends and we got put out or mm-hmm. I was staying with my friends and I got put out. So I think every single time that that happened, that definitely could have been an opportunity for me to just run away, mm-hmm. to go uh, try drugs, to go and engage in things that wouldn't had been a positive positive um influence in my life mm-hmm. I think those are definitely times where I, I could have just given up like yeah. if you know it's like that thought process like if your parent doesn't care why should I care why yeah. should I care about my life if the person who's supposed to protect me if the person who's supposed to be teaching me life lessons isn't pouring into me isn't showing that they care about even just give, providing me basic needs you know so like a shelter shelter right. is a basic need and so I think every single time that that happened, I definitely could have thrown the towel and said, you know what, forget it. I don't care, you Mm -hmm. know? And, but the one thing, and I didn't even realize this until I became an adult was the one thing that really truly kept me going was hope. Mm -hmm. I was so hopeful as a, as a kid, as a child, I was even hopeful, like even knowing that my mom did drugs, I was so hopeful that like my mom's going to, uh, you know, she got these books on how she can get into real estate. She's going to go into real estate. You know, it, it's, it was that wishful thinking. Mm. And although at times I do feel like I was lying to myself to keep myself on track, mm-hmm. I thought like it helped me from falling backwards. Um, and there were, there were times where I'm like, oh, we're going to get a house. You know, if I walked by a house and I saw a house for rent, you know, my mind, my imagination, I would like literally picture me living in that household mm-hmm. with my, you know, my stepdad at that time and my mom and just, it was, it was just, it's literally hope, which is crazy. Cause it's like, man, hope really can, if you have hope, like it can take you, it can take you far. And it mm-hmm. took me being hopeful, took me all the way throughout my childhood. My mom could fail so many times, but I was hopeful that like, oh, she's going to do good. She's going to have her own business one day. She's going to do this one day. She's going to, you know, buy this house. Like, not, you know, me as a kid, not understanding the depth of what it takes to, you know, buy a house and the funding credit and all that stuff. But as a child, I was so hopeful, like my mom's going to get a place, even though she's failed me 50 other times, you know, or however many other times I was so hopeful that like, oh, now we're going to get a place. She's reading these, she bought these books, you know, she's reading these books. So she's going to figure out how, what it takes to flip a house and get into it and do all this stuff. And, you know, and so I, I, I'm so, I'm glad that I had hope. I don't even know why I had hope, but 
um, I think hope definitely kept me from being depressed, from being anxious, and it kept me and um, it just kept me happy as a kid. As weird as that may sound through all of it, it kept me happy because um, it kept my, my thought process on more positive things than it did on the negative. Because trust me, I had a lot of negative things I could have easily focused on, but hope definitely helped my perception and my thinking to be on, you know, more of the positive end. Oh, where'd you go? There you are. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yes. My lights just cut off. It was like this loud boom. And then the lights just oh. cut off. I don't know what just happened. I wonder if it's an accident. Hopefully. Hopefully it don't happen again. Okay. Um we we left off. Did you end up finishing your Yeah, yeah, I finished. I just I was just saying, you know, hope definitely kept me focused on the positive because I definitely had a lot of negative things to focus on. And so I'm glad as a child I was definitely hopeful. Yeah, that's amazing. Cause I really feel like there's people that's gonna be listening to this and like they're in a position where they feel like they just feel like giving up. And like I feel like we come to that point. Even me, sometimes I just get to a point where I'm just like, huh, I can just throw in a towel, but like having that hope and trusting that God is going to come through. Like, this is not going to yeah. last forever. It's just a season. Yeah. And, like, you can still see, like, the light at the end of the tunnel. So don't give up. So I love yeah. The crazy thing is when I was little, um, my grandmother used to call and she used to feel so sad and like, I'm sorry, you have to go through that. Da, 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 da. Mm. And I remember saying like as a little kid, and again, I, at this point, I, I, I didn't, I didn't have any faith. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I believed as a child that there was a God, but I, that's all I knew. I didn't know much more after that. And I remember every time she would say, like, I'm so sorry I have to go through this. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I would always tell her, like, it's okay, it's okay, grandma. It's a reason why I'm going through this, you know. And now I see the reason. I definitely right. see the reason, you know. And it's like, man, just just keep pressing. Like, I get when you're young, you're, you know, even when you're an adult, you know, sometimes it's like, like you said, you want to throw in the towel, but right. it's really important to focus on what you do have control over and what mm-hmm. you don't have control over. And what you do have control over, you give your energy to that. Right. I didn't have control over my mom being on drugs, going in and out of jail, and us being homeless. But mm-hmm. I did have control over my, over my education. So yeah. that's where I gave all of my energy because my thought process was school is my only job right now as a child. If I, mm-hmm. I go to school eight hours a day, treat it like a job, and... I don't get paid now, but in the future, it will pay off. Yeah. And that pro- that thought process was like it, it definitely benefited me. Once I graduated, once I got out of high school, and I and um and I eventually went to college. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Like it, it paid off. It literally paid off. Like you know, That's getting right. grants and getting you know, it was just like oh okay, like oh they're gonna pay for pretty much my first two years of you know college because I focused in school. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's yeah. It's just about finding what drives you. It just yeah. works. That's so amazing. And so another thing I feel like so many of us have a hard time dealing with is like forgiveness. So <sighs> you, I want you to tell us like, so when did you get to a point where you feel like you were able to forgive and then how did you get there? So I wish I had a long, elaborate answer to this. Okay. But I've <laughs> I've never had to forgive my mom because I never blamed her. Um, and it wasn't until 2014 
that um, a family member, I was sitting across the way from a family member and uh, she asked me, did you ever blame your mom? And I was like, I really sat back and I was like, oh, I've never blamed, it didn't even click to me that I've never blamed my mom. And so it was just an eye opener to me, you know, of course I would have assumed I should have known that I've never blamed her, but I never realized that until someone asked me that question. And so I've never needed to forgive her because I've never blamed her. Um, one, you know, the field that I work in, I, I truly realized that how that person was raised um, definitely affects how they their whole being, the personalities, their belief system, how they parent, how they um, communicate, how they interact with other people, um, their own thought process about themselves. And so I never blamed her, um, especially because I understood um, her history, I understood what she went through, I understood the things that she's experienced. And so because of that, um, there was just no need to blame her. I, I truly believe that she did the best that she could. And although Although it was a negative thing um, that I that I ended up being the result of, um, I just I just never blamed her because I truly believe that she was doing the best that she could. Some parents um, are very intentional about you know hurting their kids and things like that, um, but that always comes from something that is rooted in something. Um, and most of the time, it's not the kids that cause that. It's usually something that happened in their childhood, something that happened in their adulthood that affects them um, in communicating and parenting and going to work every day or whatever it may be. And so I truly believe that um, she did the best she could. And although it could have been um, a negative thing that where to the sense of, I couldn't be, I, I, I don't have to be the person I am today. I could have followed in her steps and um, that would have been, you know, just my life because that's all I knew and that's all uh, my mom has, uh, you know, role modeled for me. But um, if I have to do it all over again to become the person that I am today, I would be totally fine with that. Totally fine with that. Has it still been ah. recording for you? Huh? Is it, has it still been recording this whole time? It has. Actually, I do see the oh recording. Good. Because I thought I just lost the whole thing. It just <laughs> cut off. The Wi-Fi went out. The technology. That's good. technology. It's all, when we want it to work, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I will notice somebody going to be really feeling this episode, so he don't want it to get out. Cause I'll be having, no, like, right? it's always a hard time when it's such a good message. So y'all, I'm going to edit some of it, but yes, my Wi-Fi just went out twice and this has never happened before. So, so weird. All right. We're going to get this message out either yes. way. Yes. Okay. Um, so we were on the, how were you able to forgive and your process of forgiving? And you were saying that you, someone asked you and you really didn't. Um, feel like you needed to forgive? Yeah, um, I've never needed to actually forgive my mother because I never mm -hmm. blamed her. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that until 2014 until someone asked me like, um, do you blame your mom? And it, it didn't even, I didn't, it did, that's when it hit me that like, oh wow, I never, I never blame my mom, you know. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that she did the best she could. Mm -hmm. um, 
I in the field that I currently work in, I truly believe that the way that people are raised affects their parenting skills and their parenting styles. Mm -hmm. And so um, knowing what she comes from, um, the things that she's experienced, she has experienced the things that she's went through. Um, it definitely affected her parenting. I'm um, mm -hmm. not that she, you know, I'm not saying, you know, um, she was just like this crazy, horrible parent, yeah. but I understood why she thought the way she did, why she behaved the way she did, why she talked the way she did, why she, why she walked the way she did, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because of knowing the history and the, and how she was raised herself and the things that she had to go through. And so I never blamed her. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of those things that it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily for me, I, I never really, ex um, people would say, you know, homelessness can be, you know, tr very traumatic. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, for me personally, if it, if it, if I become the same person I am today, I would literally go through it all over again. Yeah. all over again with my crazy mama so <laughs> and that's amazing it's amazing that you could look at it and see like how what she went through really affected who she was and you were able to kind of just see that and correlate the two and sometimes I think it's so hard for some of us because we get so caught up in like maybe what happened or what we missed that we get so fixated but just looking at the bigger picture like you know she do they did the best they could and honestly I feel like I came to that point last year even with my mom like she did the best she could like she had me at 17 like mm. I can't look at everything that I went through and like hold this grudge for the rest of my yeah. life because she did the best she could and I just have to appreciate what she did doing what she was able to do because she's yeah me in a position to be successful in life regardless of like mm -hmm. anything else so that's great and I love that you touched on that and so for our audience looking at that bigger picture is just so important not getting so fixated fixated on all the little details yeah yeah and, and, and it's not to take away people like people have people most time have the right to be upset have the yeah. right to be you know to just you know be mad at somebody most of the time you do have that right and, and we're not saying that you don't have that right it's just that okay you you're now angry okay you're gonna look up and now you're 10 years angry you're 15 years angry what has been angry what has been upset really truly gotten you and if you can't literally write down anything positive that being angry has gotten you then you're you're wasting your time your mm -hmm. life is valuable you have a purpose in this life and you have been hindering that based off of um focusing on the past when you're current you're living in the current you're living you're trying to make a better tomorrow and if you're not doing something better today to make a better tomorrow because you're fixated on the past then you're wasting your time you're wasting your purpose you're wasting your energy on things that you just can't even control i'm sure most of us had a time machine we will all go back into the past and change this and fix that and do this you know but that's just not realistic but what real is realistic is that you know, today, my choices today make me a better person tomorrow. And the thing is, it's like we, we should just always be in competition with ourselves and making our, making sure that we're better ourselves. And that's emotionally, physically, mentally, financially, spiritually, in all different levels, you know. Yes, yes, absolutely. And like with that being said, what advice would you go back and give to your younger self if you could? Yes. So 
I would say for my younger self, I would continue to tell myself, like, stay in school. This is going to pay off. You're doing you're doing the best that you can do. This is, you know, focus on what you can control. And this is what it is. And um, I think just really like focusing. I, I would say uh, encouraging myself to stay in school, give it my all, go above and beyond. And um, something that I didn't do that I wish I would have given myself advice was um, to find a mentor. Find a mentor uh, so that way you can have a positive support system of someone that you can lean on, somebody that you, that can, um, you know, sow wisdom into you, sow knowledge into you. And so I wish that was that would have been the advice that I gave myself because um, I think there could have been a lot of things in life possibly that I could have avoided if I had the knowledge of certain things. And so um, although, you know, me experiencing it on my own didn't break me, you know, it could have just been, you know, things that I could have avoided, you know. Um, but I definitely would have encouraged myself to find a, a positive role model, whether that be a coach, whether that be a principal or a teacher um, or someone in my neighborhood and just, um, you know, allow them to pour uh, life into me and speak life into me. Mm, and that was one thing that I was going to ask you, like, did you ever have anybody that was kind of there to lead you? I you did not. No? I did not. Wow. Surprisingly, I just, I, I had, um, I, you know, I had teachers who really like complimented me because they knew my situation and mm -hmm. they knew like, oh, okay, like obviously her academics don't show what she's actually going through. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I've never had anybody as far as an adult, like take me under their wing and just like, you know, pour into me like, Hey, you're going to, you got this, you're going to be something, you know, I, I, I only imagine how much more further in life I could have been if I did have that role model, that, like, you know, poured life into me. And it's not to say that my mom, um, spoke down to me because mm -hmm. that's one thing she didn't do she never spoke down on me she never said anything um that attacked my character um and so that was all probably a, i'm sure a positive too because if i did have that i don't know what what kind of effects that could have had yeah. but um she didn't you know speak down on me she didn't mm -hmm. call me out of my name she didn't um as far as like verbally mm -hmm. there was no there wasn't you know negativity towards me as a child mm -hmm. or even as a teenager or an adult um but you know it, it, how much more um, better or perspective wise could my life have been if I had just life poured in, you know, life and positivity and love and, um, you know, positive things spoken over me. I, I always wonder that. Mm, I love that. That's actually one thing that I started to do, like mentoring girls <laughs> and just helping them because I felt like my mentor when I was in high school, like mm -hmm. she just helped, like, just going back, it's like those small things that people say, you don't realize until you're an adult, like how they really just affect you now. And you just, yeah. you don't even realize. So I love yeah. that. And then what advice would you give to people who are going through or might be living with someone who might be addicted to drugs or, you know, they're, they're just having a hard time right now. What would you tell them to just hang in there? Just, Mm. to for someone who has a drug addicted parent or yes somebody who's living with anybody that might be addicted gotcha. to mm -hmm. um i i would say honestly probably the same advice i would have given myself i would say go to school um at you know give all of your energy to school friends are friends are going to come and go boys and girls are going to come and go um but school is going to be your ticket out of any situation that you're going through um 
I would also tell them that they don't have to become a product of their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that although they see they see it every day in their household, being you know whether whatever it may be, mm-hmm. uh, that they don't have to follow down those footsteps. I would encourage them to uh, join clubs at their school, join into sports, you know things that um, you know build teamwork, things that build you know. A, different types of characteristics that we're going to need as we get as become adults Mm. and I would definitely encourage them to find that mentor find that one person that you know um that that can take you under their wing and that kid you know um you know just pour life into them because Mm. that that's going to be so beneficial to their life um and you know it could definitely break off a lot of things that, you know, if your parents do speak negative things off you, you know, they say for every one negative thing that has spoken to you, you need 11, 11 positive things spoken to you to break mm-hmm. off one. And that is like mind blowing, you know? And so yeah. um, that mentor, that coach, that teacher, that neighbor, that um, it could even be a family member. It doesn't even have to be, you know, um, mm. you know, someone in the education field. It could be a neighbor. It could be a family member. It could be a grandparent. It could be a sibling. You mm. know, but just find that person. And even if they don't say, "Hey, I want to mentor you," you go to them and say, "Hey, can you mentor me?" Or, "Hey, can you, you know, um, just, you know, can I, can I be your, you know, your little brother, your little sister, you know?" And so that mm. way, and let them know why. Like, "Hey, I just need somebody positive in my life. I just need somebody I could speak to and talk to, and, and know that I'm being heard." know that they have my best interest at heart, knowing that, you know, that they're, they're willing to problem solve with you to figure out solutions to, to problems in your life, things like that. People that you truly, truly trust. And I say people have to gain from the information that you are sharing with them and they don't have nothing to lose from the information that you're sharing from them. Those are people that you should trust with um, very intimate, um, you know, parts of your life. Mm. So you know that the information isn't going to be spread about. Yeah, that's amazing. Definitely, because I don't know where I would be without the mentors that I had. So, and I still have one, and yeah. I'm grown, so it's just yeah, like, yeah. just always having. Yeah, one. never too old to have a mentor. Never exactly. <laughs> don't need mentors too, man. <laughs> right, and then, uh, so for someone who might be struggling with that forgiveness piece, I know you probably have forgiven somebody at some point in your life what would you what's just some advice you would give for that person yes so I had wrote down um for someone who's trying to forgive I always look at forgiveness this way if you're trying if you're having a hard time forgiving mm-hmm. um I always say therapy is a good option mm-hmm. um Whatever you have hard time forgiving, you, like I said, ten out of ten times out of ten, you probably have the right to be upset and mad. Mm-hmm. But holding on for un, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison. Mm-hmm. It's you're holding on to this burden of what someone else did to you when many times they should be holding on to that burden mm-hmm. um, with feeling hurt that I've hurt somebody else. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes we hold on to that burden, and and most times that burden hinders us on so many different levels of our life and although it could be a, a friend thing or it could be a parent-child relationship it doesn't usually stay there it usually rolls over into our communication it rolls over into our romantic relationships it rolls over into our parenting it rolls over into our work it rolls over into our thought process it rolls into how we talk how we do self-talk mm-hmm. it rolls over to too many different areas um, of our life yeah. when um 
and, and it's just detriment, detrimental to all, all us because we're holding on to the unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage people like unforgiveness isn't for them, it's for mm-hmm. us. If you forgive someone, that's not saying that I I accept what you did to me. I approve what you did to me. That is that's that's how people look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's you know it's just it's forgiveness so I can move on and I can live my life freely. I can live my life knowing that you know I let the past be the past and whatever happened to me, it's in the past. I can't change it, but what I can do is take the lessons for, of what happened to me to. Uh, you know, make myself, make me a better person, you know what I mean? And so I definitely would encourage anybody who's having a hard time forgiving a family member, forgiving a friend, forgiving a boyfriend, or forgiving a girlfriend, or whoever it may be, to forgive for yourself so you can move on, because unforgiveness is too much of a burden to carry. Mm-hmm. It truly, truly isn't. As much as you may think that it doesn't affect you, it definitely will affect you, because let's say that you have a friend who lied to you, but, you know, oh, my parent lied to me all my life, but now I have a friend that lies to you. That's going to trigger you because it's going to bring up what happened to you when you were a child or what happened yeah. to you when you were a teenager. And, it, and, and your reaction to that friend could be so um, extreme. You know, mm-hmm. not that lying is okay, but your reaction to the, the circumstance could be more extreme because it triggers you from something in the past because you haven't, forg- unfor- haven't forgiven that person yet. And so people really don't realize um, how triggers really affect us, um, yeah. and how unforgiveness is—it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, just like forgiveness is powerful, and so if I had the choice, I would say I'll, I'm going to forgive so I can be free. I can be a free individual. Um, I'm not going to allow something that you did to, to hold me bondage for the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. what you did was a mo- was a moment of something or a season in my life. Um, I'm not going to allow that season of my life to be, now become a life sentence. Yeah, I love that. That's going to free so many people. <laughs> and so, like, this was great. Even though, you know, we had some Wi-Fi issues and the devil was really busy, you know, yes. we've got it done. And yes. so many people are just going to be feeling so great after hearing this. So, I, like, you come so far and you just, like, a huge light and so positive. What do you do now? The audio just changed. I can't really hear you. So weird. It's like, I don't know why it's messing up. Hello? What about now? Perfect. Okay, I'm All gonna, right. it will sound like a little alien. See? See? Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Trying, but not sore. <laughs> so what do I do now? So now I am currently a, uh, a social worker. I work with parents, uh, principals, teachers, and students in regards to anything emotional or behaviorally that they are uh, struggling with. Mm-hmm. And so I currently work at this position I currently am in. I'm a school social worker where I work with K through 8 students. Um, and I provide uh, counseling and therapy to um, 
any type of struggles or impairments that they are dealing with. So if they ha are dealing with anxiety, they're dealing with depression, they're dealing with suicidal ideation, um, they are oppositional defiant, they have oppositional defiant disorder, they have autism, they have, um, you know, special needs. Um, I pretty much offer those types of services. A lot of our students, uh, a lot of the, the kids that I work with today, they are high, they are highly depressed, mm -hmm. highly um, suicidal and highly anxious. And so those are my main three that I really try to, I end up focusing on. And I try to give, um, you know, students tools mm -hmm. and strategies on how to deal with day-to-day -day stress mm -hmm. um, and giving them coping skills and talking about self-care and talking about communication and talking about um, building healthy relationships with their parents and with their friends and building healthy boundaries at a young age. And so um, I think, you know, what I went through in life um, made me who I am today. And so I, I'm constantly telling young students, you know, you don't have to be with your parents, you know, and, and if it's appropriate in whatever that we're talking about, I usually sometimes share my story with them. So they feel encouraged. So they see like, man, this person has been through similar situations that I've been through and look at them now today. If they can do it, I can do it. You know, and I tell them like, I'm just little Monica from Modesto, <laughs> California. I'm nobody, you know, and, and if I can literally do it I know that you can do it you just right. have to find you know the thing the advice that I, I would give somebody you know find that role model find that what drives you for, uh, stay in your education put, keep your head in the books you know not on what's going on at home and that's easier said than done sometimes mm -hmm. but you know it, 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 they just have to find what makes them work you know so I love social work I love supporting people I love using therapeutic you know approaches and um, you know helping people through whether, whether it be homelessness domestic violence whether it be through addiction whether it be through um, uh, just you know living day to day and learning how to function on a day-to-day -day basis and mm -hmm. trying to break those stereotypes in the um, black community of you know oh I'm not gonna pay anybody to, to talk to them I don't have to pay you know it's it's not even about that. It's a you know, our in the black community, man, you see so much mental illness and so much mental health issues that are labeled as normal or they're just crazy or you know, that's uncle. He just stays in the back room all day every day. He doesn't come out and talk to nobody and did it we drop our food the food at his that's not normal. Right. You know? And so it, it it breaks my heart, but I feel like, you know, with society we are moving towards breaking those stereotypes in the black community when it comes to mental health. And I mm -hmm. always break it down like this. If you have a physical body and you have a sickness or the flu, we mm -hmm. go to the doctor, right? To get the appropriate treatment that we need to get healthy again. Well, if you have a brain, which everybody who's alive has a brain, your brain has a health, it has health and you need to take that mental health part of it. You need to take care of it. And if something is not right or something feels off or you're dealing with an illness or a disease mentally, it's important for you to go to the right person. And sometimes that's a counselor. Sometimes that's a therapist to get the right treatment in order for you to think healthy again and to behave healthy again. And so I, I, it's, it's really that simple. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I do. I love, I do social work, I do counseling and therapy and eventually want to open up my own private practice and focus on, you know, three different populations, the homeless population, the Christian population and the black population. And that's who I definitely want to service and I have a heart for. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And I didn't tell y'all that Monica is actually my aunt, my dad's youngest sister. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I wanted y'all to be able to watch and not have that in your mind. So, yes, yes. now you know. 
And look at her. She's just flourishing and amazing and an amazing woman and mom. And Grace I'm of God. So happy for you. Yeah, like what God can do with like everything that we've been through. Like I just like see you now and I'm just like, wow. Like how he just uses everything to mm-hmm. help other people, everything that we go through, like us even able to being able to be on here. Like God saw this probably years ago when we <laughs> probably were just like some little kids just out here yeah. in the world not knowing. So yeah, that's great. Thank you so so much. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. No problem. I mean, you closed it out with like an amazing speech. So just tell the listeners where they can find you if they want to reach out to you or have any questions. Yes. So um, you can find me on Facebook at Monica Johnson King. And you can also find me on Instagram at mental mojo underscore MSW. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, um, I don't post as much on Instagram, but I'm trying to get a little bit more frequent in that area, trying to mm-hmm. post some, you know, mental health stuff, post some activist stuff and just, and some, you know, faith-based stuff on my mm-hmm. Instagram, but you can always find me on those two social media platforms. And, um, yeah, you got any questions, you can DM me and I will answer to the best of my ability. If I don't know the answer, I will <laughs> let you know. And I would get to you with the answer through a different source. <laughs> That was amazing. So, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, Uh, oh, I'm going to actually put your handles in our show notes so they'll be able to find you super easily. And then I did want to just let our listeners know before I hop off that at the end of August, once we finish up our journaling challenge, as I'm like swinging this pen around, like I'm about to, I don't know. Okay, uh, so yes, the end of August, August 31st, we'll be doing a goodbye control mastermind. It'll be $5. It's just finishing off our journaling challenge. So I just want to let y'all know. You can find it on our website. I'll also post it in the show notes for y'all. And that wraps up this episode. If it touched you, if you know anybody going through anything, if they just need to hear this, Send it to them, share it. And yes. yes, thank you again. Yes, thank you for having me, Tyra. I no enjoyed problem. this. Yes, so we will talk to y'all next week. All right, bye. Bye bye.